0: in mine. Gladys Knight and the Pips, Midnight Train to Georgia. In 2002, when I ended my first book, I was just beginning the process of working out what I was going to do with my life now that I could no longer compete at the highest level as an athlete. Would it still be tennis, playing on the seniors tour, commentating, bit of coaching, or something else like art dealing, or TV, or film, or something totally different? I had no idea which way my life was heading but I knew if I wanted to have new experiences that would fire me up the same way being on a tennis court had done I was going to have to take some major risks. I always needed to feel challenged to push myself and I've tried out a lot of different stuff in the intervening 15 years. Some of it's worked and some of it hasn't but in life as in sport it's often the big defeats that teach you the most. If you're too scared of falling flat on your ass You'll never get out of your chair. And I hope that what I've learned from some of the more laughable calamities I'm going to describe has given me a new perspective on the successes that came before. That's why this second book is going to be much more than a chronological record of everything that's happened to me since the last one came out. The same way a tennis match alternates between service games and having to wait on the baseline preparing yourself for what your opponent might throw at you, I'm going to intercut a straightforward account of my life as it's unfolded with stories about the past experiences that made me the person I am today. Hopefully, over the past few years, I've made some progress in grudgingly figuring out how to become a better person. And I'm now known for more than just hitting a tennis ball and getting upset and yelling at linesmen and umpires. But I'll leave that for you to judge. Either way, I'll be dropping so many names in this book it'll make your head spin. Only kidding, sort of, and the first of those names is my wife's. I've been with the singer Patty Smythe since 1994. We've been married for 20 of those years and are closer now than ever, which I figure is pretty amazing these days. Patty's done so many incredible things for me, not least loving and helping me try to bring up our six kids, three of them from my first marriage. When my first book came out, the youngest was only three, the oldest 17. Now they're all grown up. Even the youngest will be off to college soon. We've had some ups and downs between the good times, the same as any family does, but at a point where Patty and I are going to be seeing even more of each other, the fact that I'm looking forward to that is a testament to how much we have in common. And if there's any credit for the faint possibility I might have become a slightly better, less selfish person over the last 20 years or so, the bulk of that should go to Patty. My life was at a low ebb when I met her, and things could have turned out very differently if she hadn't been there to help me through the next few years. She's a very strong character, even more opinionated than me, if that's possible, and probably the only person who can tell me stuff I don't want to hear in such a way that I'll actually listen and take it on board. Okay, maybe not without an argument, but we've learned over the years to listen and to compromise. Sometimes I'll even back down and agree that she's right. I guess it's called getting older and wiser. Since it was kind of the beginning of me becoming who I am now, I wanted to start off by letting her put the record straight, as she sees it, about how we first got together. Even if the differences between her account and the one in my first book aren't as dramatic as she thinks they are, at least this will give the listeners the chance to see what I put up with.
1: John and I fight constantly about when we first met, and it's a battle that continues, because he tells the story completely differently to how I remember it. Obviously, everyone has their own perspective, and people's memories can play tricks, but he does try to rewrite history. So it'll be good if I can get my version, which of course is 100% the truth, down in print. The funny thing for me was how different our lives were, and yet how much we had in common, not just through the showbiz world we were both involved in, but also because we'd both been brought up in Queens. I traveled the world to meet a guy who grew up 15 minutes from me. There's probably a reason for that, because there is something about the landscape you're raised in. The sights, the sounds, the smells, and ours had been very similar, maybe too similar To the point where, if we'd met too soon, it might have been a problem. I had seen John once in a club, in 1984, right before my album The Warrior came out. Tina Turner was